Seven Figures Smart Money Strategies for Women. It is a struggle for so many of you. When you're at work, you have to act like you don't have kids. But then when you're home, you have to act like you don't work. But a lot of people are working from home. So now what? Executive career strategist and coach Kathleen Pringle is here. Her best advice for you, should you ask the boss to give you some leeway? Plus, Kathleen is going to explain how to ask for a raise. Yes, even in a pandemic. Plus, in our No Dumb Questions segment, how to set a budget. Is the 50-20-30 the best rule to follow? And we'll take a seat at the kids' table, listen in on what the kids think about someone who is rich. Our expert is here with advice for parents. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union. Thank you for making time. If you have an extra second, click subscribe and leave an honest review. That would be awesome. Okay, before we get to how to best manage our work life and our home life and how to take advantage of the opportunities that are out there, let's start the show with no dumb questions. Okay, no dumb questions. CFP at the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management, Erica Cummings is here. Hello, Miss Erica. Good morning. How are you? Good. All right. And you know what? Every time I ask and get a feel of what questions people are too nervous to speak up about, a lot of people say pretty much the same thing. Budget. Budget is the number one question that a lot of people have. And they've heard the 50, 20, 30 rule. They're not sure if that's something they should follow. What is that rule? Is there a a go-to rule that you follow that you can help us with? So the 50, 20, 30 rule is a good good one. And I want to preface this. I'll go over what the rule means. But what really most people are looking for is an answer that's going to get them to where they want to be quicker. I've been doing this for 20 years and this is the very, it's very similar to losing weight. It's similar to wanting to find a way to earn money quicker or trying to find that, that special stock that's going to get you crazy returns over time. Budgeting really comes down to doing it consistently for a really long time and just believing in the system. So believing that this is going to work because it's small incremental changes. It's small incremental calculations and when you're doing it you're not going to feel very excited because you're not going to see the savings go up that significantly right away but it does work it has been proven over and over and over again to work so the 50 20 30 rule simply is taking your expenses and allocating them into three separate buckets so you're taking your your pay and you're looking at three separate buckets, mandatory expenses, savings and debt payments, and then things that you just want. So 50% should be your mandatory expenses. So you don't wanna see, and this is where we talked about in the past, how much you qualify for when you purchase a home. You don't want your mandatory expenses to really exceed 50% of your income. Mm. This will include mortgage, rent payments, utilities, your healthcare expenses, groceries, gas in the car or car payments, childcare costs, all of these things are necessary. You absolutely can't go without them. If you're spending 80% of your paycheck on mandatory expenses, you really start to get to the point where do I want to save or do I want to spend the rest of that money on wants? And we know how for human beings, we want to have a little fun. And before you know it, there's nothing left 
for that savings and debt payments. So you want 30% to be any type of your income that goes into things that you don't necessarily need, but you, you would like to have. And believe it or not, that includes cable. We don't have to have cable. It includes internet. It includes additional phone costs, so the type of phone plans that you have. And also, it includes, you know, obviously going out to dinner um, when we finally can, going on vacation, you know, things that we don't, we don't necessarily need, but we certainly, it makes our lives better. And then that remaining 20% should be going towards building emergency funds, saving for retirement, and especially paying down debt. And most importantly, your highest interest-bearing debt. So those high interest-bearing credit cards. Now, if you are really in debt, we may want to shift things around a little bit because maybe 30% shouldn't be going to those discretionary wants if you have an, an exorbitant amount of debt. But for the most part, if you're living a responsible life, that 50 20 30 rule is a great way to see where everything is going and see where you can maybe make some adjustments okay and now is there i mean there's an app for everything nowadays right do you have yeah. a go-to favorite that you recommend to people who need to stay disciplined so depending on you know which bank you you work with and if you have the ability to with that bank to be able to kind of link all your accounts together um, Truebill is an excellent app that allows you to connect all of your different accounts. And it will tell you what subscriptions you have out there that are hitting your credit cards. It'll tell you if you've had, what bills are coming due. And then for those that they can't quickly categorize, you can go in and start to categorize what those expenses are. And then it will actually create a pie chart to show you this ah, is okay. going, yeah, I love it because it, there are so many subscriptions that we have that we forget that we yeah. signed up for those those free trials that after 30 days they start they start dinging you and this will it does a great job of letting you know when those are coming through and then they actually can negotiate on your behalf to either eliminate it if you want it eliminated or to try and decrease the amount Oh, nice. True. Would you say true yeah. bill? T-R-U-E? True bill. Okay. T-R, yep. And then you link your accounts and it pulls all the data from your credit cards and from your checking accounts to see where every month where the money is going. Now, of course, I'm going to ask this because I refuse to pay for an app. Is this one that we have to pay for? And do you find, I mean, you obviously find value in it. You actually decide how much you want to pay. So it's one of those kind of honor system where if you feel as if you can afford $10 a month and you're getting $10 a month worth of value out of that app, then you pay $10. If you're really having a hard time right now, they've created it so that those people that are struggling the most don't have to pay. And so it, it's really, we've seen these types of situations before where it's really just kind of focusing on allowing people to be honest and and kind of look out for their for their fellow humans okay all right awesome erica how can we uh, follow up with you uh, about this or anything else we can follow you and uh, listen to your podcast as well yes so we have our website obviously the harmony financial wellness.com and we're on facebook by the same name you can email me at erica.cummings at rbc.com and our new podcast which is called a strong woman for strong women will be starting in january and will be available on all the major platforms all right perfect have a good weekend you too
Okay. If you're one of the many people who is struggling and dealing with work-life versus home-life balance, especially now in a pandemic, it's a little bit more stressful. How much can you ask the boss for leeway? Kathleen Pringle, our direct line to the executives. It's coming up next. Executive career strategist and coach, often known as nowadays as the career first responder, Kathleen (laughs) Pringle is here from Kathleen Pringle Group. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. You were the one to tell me one of your clients said this, and I'm stealing it. I'm saying this all the time now. At work, you got to pretend that you're not a mom. And then at home, you got to pretend you don't work. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that that was probably more of a reaction at first because of just the fact that this fire hose turned on and everybody needed to just quote, you know, shift, pivot, adapt in ways that were very unexpected and unplanned. And then as time has gone on, it's become more of a reality. And so it's given people an opportunity to just find some new ways, uh, but it's required, you know, conversation uh, that people have never been uh, expected to have and sometimes are not equipped to have. But good news is that managers understand this and are leading that from what I understand. Do they? Do they really understand? Let's be honest. Okay. So yes, of course, the human beings, they have compassion, they get it, but bottom line, they're in charge of making the company money. So how honest can you be with all the stress that you're dealing with in your life? I mean, is this a conversation you should bring up? Is it bad to bring it up? So I have two things to say about that. And it works both ways. So, you know, your question could mean that, you know, managers are not in tune with this. Leaders are not in tune with their, you know, with what's really going on. And I, and I think that from every conversation that I have, leaders really are aware. They are aware through their managers or because they have direct reports of, you know, what's really going on. Cause this is not a new thing now. Um, and they know who's juggling what. And so if anything, it's really been about, okay, how can we find a way to wait, to make this work? But in the case where you've got a leader or a manager who really does understand, but still needs you to get the work done, it really requires decision and a choice. I mean, we always have a choice. Uh, and and I what I mean by that is that we have a choice whether or not Um, you know, we want to say something. And sometimes it's not first to our boss, because that's perhaps an uncomfortable situation. So you find a coworker and, and you'd be able to have that conversation to learn from them. Gee, how are you doing? Because I think what really people want is human connection. That's the thing that's missing. You know, I mean, if you go back to Maslow's hierarchy, you know, um, belonging, you know, we've got our psychosocial and our safety needs, but then we've got, you know, that love and belonging in the middle and that personal connection piece um, is really what people want. They're not necessarily looking for self-actualization at the top right now, but they are wanting that human connection. And when you don't have that because you're on a flat screen all day and, you know, we're all into people's environments the way we never were before. And, you know, people have judgments and perceptions about, you know, 
animals walking across the screen and kids <laughs> in the background and like that. what is what? professional anymore right that is totally out the window now yeah <laughs> you know i have a client he told me he's, he's he was pulled off to do something um during covid that their company needed to respond to and he's moving into a new position on monday where instead of being over the telephone like he's been for the last seven months he will now be interfacing with clients in a new role on a webcam and he says well tomorrow morning 8 40 beard is being trimmed haircut <laughs> he goes because no more <laughs> Come out of that cave, my friend. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, you know, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of people and a lot of people who have reached out to the show and I have to read this one email in particular, but for the general feel of it, and I struggle with it too. Like we're recording this on a day that the kids are all in school because if they were here, there's no way I could totally 100% focus. Yeah. But it's impossible to cram everything that you want to do in the few days that the kids are actually going to school, if they are doing the hybrid. Right. So I I feel like, and I hate to say this out loud just in case the bosses are listening, but I feel like I am not giving as much as I used to give at one point when, when the kids yeah. would be in school. And I was in the office 100% focused on what I had to get done. Does that almost put a mark on your name? You know, when it comes time, the next round of layoffs, now you're on the chopping block because you couldn't perform at the level of somebody who, let's say, didn't have those extra distractions of kids and in, in, in home life. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of guilt there, right? Right. Um, yeah, there's there's a certain amount of that. Uh, that that like kind of like worker survivor guilt, especially when you know that through furlough or downsize, your you know your friend is not working with anymore, and uh, and that's a real thing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a real it, thing. Yeah, uh, but to go back to your your you know your point, um, you know I, you know this has been a time of adaptation, and you know the 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 unfortunate. Uh, reality is that, you know, we, especially with kids back in school part-time, you know, we are trying to optimize that, that, that quiet focus time to be able to get as much done. But unfortunately, that's not always possible. And it makes our days longer. It makes our days longer. Um, you know, people are working longer days because, but there's more flexibility. And so that's the trade-off is like, would you rather have a concentrated eight or nine hours, you know, or would you rather have the 12 hours, which is what the average day is looking like, uh, according to McKinsey right now, um, because it's fits and starts because, you know, we've got to stop here. And um, yeah, so there's just, there's a whole lot of things that are happening right now. And everybody needs to be able to first and foremost, take stock of, okay, what is it that I'm ultimately responsible for? Whether that is a set of responsibilities to, um, and then, you know, is that also for people and being able to say, okay, you know, if I'm a manager and I have direct reports, there's a certain amount of expected communication that I need to be able to have. And so how we have that communication has changed. And no, not everybody loves, would much rather just get up from their desk and go, you know what, walk around. Well, that's not always possible because most businesses are not back. So we've just, we all need to be able to find a different way. And also I'll say this, give ourselves some grace. 
I think we, a lot of people have just wanted to kind of move through this. Remember, we are human beings. We are not human doings. And so we need to be able to appreciate that we are going to feel emotion. And you know what? You can't always, you know what? control what other people are thinking and doing, but you can be in command of yourself in terms of your own attitude and saying, okay, this is what I'm doing. And as long as I know that my intent is positive and I'm going to take steps to do something versus nothing, Mm. that is what's important. And most coaches or most managers have needed to become coaches, you know, on a dime. And they're actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah. All right. So don't be as hard on ourselves yeah. as we now. Employment I, stress is at an all time high. Yeah. 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 Um, I got this email and I, I'm so curious to see how you're going to respond to this. <laughs> and this kind of refers back to the survivor's guilt, the worker survivor's guilt. So they said, my boss asked me to forfeit the pay raise I was promised to get next month in my manager's words of advice. Quote, I wouldn't ruffle any feathers right now. I really don't want to comply because I pretty much saved the department and I'm doing everything. In your expertise, what should this person do? Okay. So this person got some information from their boss, which was, I wouldn't ruffle any feathers. That is an opinion. And so first and foremost, she needs to go to that person, uh, her manager and say, help me understand what's behind that. Because Mm -hmm. again, uh, you know what, we, we know what we did. And frankly, you know, it's not like everything changed 360 degrees here. I mean, people have stepped up. There's an old expression. I don't know who it said, who said it, maybe it was uh, Warren Buffett that, you know what, when the, when the tide goes out, we know whose pants are down. So, you know, there's a, there's been a, there's been plenty of people who pivoted and worked really hard and stepped up. And then there are those who've said, gee, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And you know what, this is, this is, this is great. Um, But like, for instance, this person who really stepped up and saved the department and delivered value, really delivered value. Um, I would want to understand from the manager what's really behind that and be able to help the manager understand why it is that it's, it, you know, it's important that, um, you know, we be able to then come to some kind of maybe plan about when that is going to happen. Um, you know, I would be advising this person to create some documentation um, that says, look, this is how I delivered value. It's it's tangible because sometimes it's the manager who needs to go, you know, get that granted because they don't have yeah. it. We don't know what the situation is and they don't want to be the one to do that. Well, of course, so, they want to look good. Like, hey, right. they, yeah. like they saved money. Right. And I think a lot of us have been asked to either pull back on a raise or, you know, forfeit a bonus. We've all been challenged in that way. Right. So as long as we get to, you know, what I've always talked about as, you know, what 
mutual understanding and mutual purpose, then we can pave the way to be able to make some kind of progress. Um, but right now she's like kind of being, well, it was an opinion. It was a perception and she needs to explore that first, then, okay. then really be able to then say, okay, well, what is the alternative? Okay. So that we can keep moving this forward because it should not be, and, and it may be the reality that, you know, maybe there's that increase was in part going to be funded because of anticipated growth that did not happen. Mm. Companies yeah. without a doubt are struggling right now. So when you said documentation of what your value has been during this time, what do you mean? Just have your boss sign it too, or just kind of keep notes for future? You know, I think, well, in this instance, I was saying, you know, I think that really, you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when I, uh, you know, was working with a larger team, um, you know, they come to me and I always used to say, you know, I am more than happy to partner with you and find a different way, find a solution, but you know what, I'm not the answer lady. So, uh, you know, if you come to me with a proposed solution or at least some thoughts and ideas, then that's where we'll start. But just to come to me to say, what do you want? And what do you think I should do? That's, that's, that's not good Uh. (laughs) for anybody. So what I mean here is that if through the year you can take stock of all of your accomplishments, you know, January one, create your me file, whether it's on on your computer or in a hard file, you know, all the stuff that you've done, same holds true for a resume. People are like, oh my God, I got to put my resume again. I don't remember what I did. Well, you know what? Keep a file and then, you know, it makes your performance evaluation uh, much easier to put together. But in times of raise, you know, raises are typically, you know, built on accomplishment, leadership, influence, collaboration, all the things that get measured. And you know what, you have to be able to have tangible evidence to support that. So that's what I mean by documentation. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should all start that today. Our Mm -hmm. I can gas file on our computer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now let's transition to taking advantage of the opportunity and the adversity. If you could Mm -hmm. give us three things that we should be doing right now to keep our sanity (laughs) and to help ourselves in the future career-wise, what would you say? Well, I think that, um, you know what, first and foremost, it is really about self-care and self-care gets defined in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, there's a lot of shallow breathing going on right now, and that creates a lot of stress um, in so many different ways, Um, you know, inside your body, with your interpersonal communication, um, you know, you're, you tend to be more reactive, but, you know, tangibly, you know, we all go to sleep and we all wake up. And if you ask most people, so what's your morning routine? It, you know, you'll get 95 different versions of a morning routine, but, or no routine. It's different every day. Well, you know what, during times of change, whether it's an, you know, you're working towards a transition or a transformation, um, which is beyond transition, we all need to have a commitment towards something. So if you can define some kind of morning routine for yourself and set those intentions, you know, win the morning, win the day. Mm. Um, take some time to do some deep breathing. Stop. S- build time into your schedule. Most of us are moving so quickly from thing to thing to thing. And we don't ever really schedule that SC time, that self-care time, which is like, stop, breathe, you know, 
going back to my comment before about human connection, you know, if, if it's not possible to see people in 3D, then make a point to um, connect with people, to talk about things that are of interest. Find those groups because, you know, all work and no play makes for the dull gal and guy. And so therefore we need to really make make time, not just take time, but make time for the things that really fill our souls and really bring us some joy because without that it just makes everything harder. Yeah. In, in previous conversations that you and I have had, you said you're a big believer on have that concrete vision almost mm-hmm. of what you want it to look like. Yep. So again, it's like getting in a car. Sometimes it's great to get in the car and see where we end up. But most times if we're talking about career, Okay. Um, even when things feel so gray and we're not really standing firmly on, on firm footing like we thought we were. I mean, it's a new world. It's a, you know, we're not going back. We're going to have a new world. And so, you know, we need to be able to, first of all, understand that for the foreseeable future, we're going to need to really get good at navigating the gray. It's not black, it's not white, it's gray. And we need to navigate the ambiguity. It's not necessarily uncertainty, but it's ambiguity. And so, you know what, we need to be able to almost play without a playbook, you know, step into situations. Instead of being fearful and critical, we lean in and we're more curious. We ask questions because we want to understand. And if, you know, and take stock, take stock of who it is that you are. You know, we all have things if you really think about it, that we've done, that we're proud of. We all have things that we aspire to do. And if you believe that they're impossible right now, um, perhaps that's true, but oftentimes it's not. It's more about just lacking an understanding of how to get there Mm. in this new world. And so you don't necessarily have to have the path figured out, but the vision of how you want to impact, contribute, and make a difference, whether that's using your head, your heart, your hands. You know, we all use different skills. We all have different competencies. And at least having that direction based on what interests you. Uh, And, you know, a great exercise, if you will, in terms of gleaning where your interest could be is go out and get feedback. You know, it's really much easier today in our new world to connect with people because we can do so online, even though maybe we're sick of doing that. But you know what? People have a lot more time. You know, I know people who say, oh my God, I, you know what? It used to take people four weeks to get on my calendar. And now I can, you know, I can squeeze in a 15 minute meeting because I'm not traveling. I'm not sitting in an airport. I'm not, you know, moving oh, in a day. Yeah. And so, point. yeah. And so I've got time to talk to people, but you know, here's the, here's the thing is that, you know, when you talk about individuals and having a vision, the hiring process has not come to a complete grinding halt since March. There have been plenty of people who have left companies, who became unemployed by companies, and who have successfully transitioned. It's the process and the way they transition that has changed so dramatically. It's not that businesses have stopped looking for people. And in some cases, they've ended up hiring people for different reasons than they thought they would because of the fact that they've needed to respond to change. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So disruption isn't all bad. Uh, you know, it does offer us an opportunity as professionals to, you know, we all hear a lot about brand and value prop, but, you know, from that, we're all, we, we all are differentiated in some way and we all have something to offer and we have to really shore that up. And if that connects to our vision and we can bring that into a conversation with people and online, um, and you're a fierce advocate of your story, because we all have a story, um, that is what's interesting to managers and employers. And, you know, here we are in Q4 right now. And believe me, the conversations that I have every day are, you know, companies are still needing to plan for Q1. We need to keep on moving forward and we're moving forward in imperfect action. We'll course correct as we go along. So we can't let that, you know, the fact that we don't have certainty on the other end be the thing that stops yeah, us. That stops us. Yeah. All right, Kathleen Pringle, how can we uh, continue this conversation with you? And like you said, you got more time now. So how can we reach out to you and pick your brain a little bit more? (laughs) I am more than happy uh, to share my uh, perspective and insight. Uh, You can reach out to me, of course, at Kathleen Pringle on LinkedIn, uh, or you can reach me on on my website at KathleenPringle.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Pull up a chair. We're about to take a seat at the kids' table. How can you tell when someone is rich? We're going to listen in and hear what the kids think next. Welcome to the kids' table. Susan Beecham, founder of Money Savvy Generation, is here. How are you, Susan? I am well, Sandy. All right. Today at the kids' table, we talk to the kids about keeping up with the Joneses. What does that phrase mean? And how do they know when somebody is rich? Here's what they said. How do you know when someone is rich or has a lot of money? They have nice cars. They have fancy houses. Anything else? Nice stuff. Okay. What does it mean to keep up with the Joneses? I don't know. Who are the Joneses? (laughs) If you want to keep up with the Joneses, what does that mean? I don't know. How do you know when someone is rich and has a lot of money? Because you know by what they have. You know when someone's rich or has a lot of money because they have a really expensive car, like they wear designer clothing, like Gucci and things like that, and they live in a big house. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, who are these poor people that have been maligned for centuries? It's terrible. I'm hoping that somebody else struggles with this too. When my teenager specifically will get home from a friend's house, she will start to nitpick and critique the little things in her house. Or even, no, I shouldn't even say the little things, the big things, everything about the house. Like, oh, you know, the brick on the outside, that is so not in style. You got to get stone. Or what about these paint colors? This is not in style anymore. Our house is so small. I mean, well, and we also hear, why don't we have a second home? I've heard that. And why can't we go on a vacation? Mm-hmm. Spring break. Why do we have to stay home? And that's because they're listening at school and they're going into households and they're trying to, they're trying to translate what they're seeing sandy into is what i have enough yeah Mm -hmm. and i think better than are we rich because we all know that designer clothes and fancy cars they could all be dead you know that mercedes that's parked in the driveway 
that person could own a thousand dollars of it and the rest could be on debt and designer clothes and Gucci bags. And see, that's that's where the struggle is, right? How do you teach your kids the best way to teach your kids that it's not about what you have, the material things that you have that define quote unquote wealth? You know, um, I think you break it down into three groups, people who do not have enough money, people who have enough and people who have more than enough. So people who do not have enough money, there are many people in this world that struggle to meet basic needs, food, shelter, clothing. People who have enough have food, shelter, clothing, and maybe a little bit left over for things they might want or need. And people who have more than enough generally have basic needs met. But they also have money that they can save for things they might want or need later. So when your child comes home and says, God, this house is just so small, sit down and ask them what they think enough is. Yeah. If that's the family value, to stop and say, honey, I know it's smaller here, um, but material possessions, a bigger house, they don't make a life, sweetheart. People and character are more important than money. Yeah. And... Just because we have it doesn't mean we have to spend it. There are two, I think, tremendous books out there, by the way, before I get to what I think is a good exercise. Um, the Millionaire Next Door. It's been around forever. Oh, yes. Dr. Sarah Fala. She uh, she continued her father's work. Yes, she's been on the podcast a couple times. That's a great book. Brilliant. And it just kind of shows you, right, how much kids listen and watch what we do. But the millionaire next door told us that the person who's got the designer clothes and the fancy car may not be a millionaire. It may just be the person who looks like they've never changed the brand of jeans that they wear for the last 30 years. That could be the millionaire next door. That could be the person who decided that it was more important to develop their character rather than to add more material possessions to their life. And then there's a there's another version of that book right now uh, that's contem- is contemporary, and that's Chris Hogan's Everyday Millionaires. Both of them are, I think, uh, great books to give you more to talk to your kids about. But the way you start this conversation about are we rich is one to say, well, these are our family values. And right now, I want us to sit down at the table and your dad, he's going to write down on a piece of paper what our family values are. I'm going to write down what I think our family values are. And you, Junior, I want you to sit down and I want you to write down what you think our family values are. What we think is important, where we spend our money. I did this with my daughter. She's a lot older when I did it. She was 25, so we had, uh, you know, I was holding my breath, hoping that this came out all right. But both Michael, (laughs) myself, and Amanda did this. We wrote it down. And what's extraordinary is how many things we wrote that were similar. So the similar ones that Amanda, Michael, and myself came up with, our family money value, was that we budget for control. So money doesn't control us. We control money. We do that through budgeting. That we invest in experiences, not things. Mm. That could be a definition of enough, right? You Mm -hmm. could tell whether or not you were getting it through to your kids that you would rather have an experience than another 
8,000 square feet mm-hmm. on a home or a second home. Uh, the only one that was a red flag on the field that she came out with was once you are comfortable, donate. That told me something. That said that we need to talk more about time and talent. You can't necessarily make somebody who has a need wait until you're comfortable. Mm. Bottom line, mommy, daddy, are we rich? Yeah, we are. We have our health. We have each other. We have a roof over our head. We have food in the refrigerator. And we have savings in our savings account. We have to remind ourselves that uh, our family values are going to be unique to someone else's family values. They're always going to be unique and they're not comparable. They're not the same. Mm. And we shouldn't try to make them the same because our happiness is not going to necessarily be our neighbor's happiness. And so uh, define what's enough. Talk about family values. Our kids need to understand that it's more than material possessions. They don't make a life. People, the people we know and love, and our own character are just more important than money. Beautiful. Well said. All right, Susan, how can we find you and follow you? Well, you can follow me at my blog, which is at susanbeecham.com, and you can find Money Savvy Generation's award-winning products and some free resources at moneysavvy.com. That wraps it up. Let me know if there's a topic you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, if there's a guest you want me to try to get on the show, or if you need help talking to the kids about money. This podcast is for you. Before we leave, today's Money Victory shout-out goes to Rena Perry. Got a refund of $657 for overpayment on a bill. Rena, $657. That's incredible. Perfect timing, too, by the way, for the holidays. Cheers to you, Rena, and each and every single one of you who is proud to say that you're on your way to being a financially confident woman. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Seven Figures podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union.